With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, first question, as a Virginia Tech fan, are you ready for this offseason to be over? Uh, the answer for me is no. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> the answer for me, of course, is yes, given everything that's transpired. Um, let's ask somebody else, though, Joey. Let's ask my partner in crime at Inside the ACC, Justin Cates, noted Hokies alum, of course, like myself. <laughs> Justin, how do you feel about this offseason? Are you ready for it to be over? Why? Did something happen? <laughs> just uh, Not this just, week? Yeah, just every couple of days, something seems to have gone on in this program. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of unprecedented. It's been a long, long time since Virginia Tech has gone through this much turmoil this quickly. Um, there have been some isolated incidents, obviously, throughout, you know, as any program would have. But, uh, yeah, this is just kind of when it rains, it pours. Um and you look in particular on defense, the Hokies have quite a bit of turnover that they're going to have to figure out a way to work through. And it even extends to the coaching staff, which we won't get into too much, but you know, just uh, kind of hard to, to predict something like that. Yeah, it's it's been pretty unprecedented for the Hokies this, this offseason between, you know, going into it, they were going to lose a lot of guys going to the NFL on defense in particular. Uh, then there were injuries. There was a dismissal. Um, there was a whole thing in the middle where Josh Jackson was potentially going to be kicked off the team. There was a coach that was fired for all sorts of, I mean, this was like a, a almost like a Murphy's law kind of situation of an off season for Virginia tech. And so easy to say, you know, for, for you and, and for Mike as well, that you're ready for the season just to get started. Like just, you know, put this all behind you and let's play some football and, and, uh, and forget about all that that happened. But uh, we we want to preview this season. You know, Virginia Tech coming off of a a pretty good season. They were the second best team in the Coastal Division last year. I think was a kind of a consensus. Um, they they were I believe eight and four. Finished the season ranked. Um, gave Oklahoma State a scare in the bowl game. Now they come back this season having to rebuild their defense. But I think Justin, the 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 most meaningful thing here for the Hokies going into 2018 is getting uh, Josh Jackson back for his second year in school, hoping that he's going to take a big leap into his sophomore year. What are you looking for or expecting from Josh Jackson uh, this fall returning as the starting quarterback of the Hokies? Well, there are two things is one, you know, he has to stay healthy and to do that, he's going to need some help. Uh, obviously help in the receiving game is important, but, he needs help with the running game too because he's doing so much of it. When he does that, he takes hits that he shouldn't be taking and he gets worn down. And that's what happened towards the end of last season. 
and uh, a lot of people maybe weren't as aware that he was kind of, kind of gimpy out there, but it really had an effect on his performance. And pretty good. He had a great first season, I thought, but um, you know he needs help, and Virginia Tech has to establish a ground game, which has been a problem for years now. Um, and, of course, like I said, the receiving core is still going to be very raw and unproven, uh, and they're going to have to have a lot of guys step up. Um, one guy I'm particularly excited to see is Damon Hazelton, who's a transfer from Ball State. Um, there was a lot of chatter last year that he was he was impressing people in practice and workouts. And, you know, they need a difference maker there, a guy who can kind of step in and be that Cam Phillips type, a, a guy who you can count on if you have to get a third down conversion or something like that. And uh, if they can find a guy like that, I think a lot of the other pieces will start to come together for him. Yeah, uh, Justin, you know, uh, you know, just to kind of echo what you were saying, I think it really comes down to skill position players around Josh Jackson and him staying healthy and not taking hits. I think it was pretty clear last year that Justin Fuente wanted to kind of, you know, take it upon himself to make sure that his quarterback wasn't taking as many hits as Gerard Evans took maybe two years ago, um, you know, maybe not making Josh Jackson run quite as much um, and trying to find other ways to get skill position players the ball where, you know, Jackson didn't need to run nearly as much as Gerard Evans did because Gerard Evans, as mercurial as he was, he was a very good player for the Hokies. But part of the reasons why he left early for the NFL, a lot of it had to do with the fact that he was worried about getting hurt because he was running so much. Um, in, in year one under Justin Fuente there at Virginia Tech. So Jackson doesn't run as much, hopefully doesn't take as many unnecessary hits, and the Hokies can find other contributors on offense. Um, the, the running backs are interesting. I want to touch on that real quick because yes. they lose Trayvon McMillan, which I don't know what kind of loss that is. Like He was, he was obviously a, a good rotational guy they had in the backfield, but he was a better fit, obviously, for the offense that Scott Leffler ran. Um, you know, when he was the offensive coordinator for Frank Beamer, it never seemed like McMillan found his footing in this offense. Um, now you have, you know, at the running back position, you, you do have Jalen Holston coming back. Um, Stephen Peoples, of course, Deshaun McLeese, who everybody's excited about because of what he was able to do last year. And then a guy like Coleman Fox, who's way down the depth chart. But every time he got in the game in garbage time, he was, it seemed like he was making people miss. How do you think the running backs stack out? Like, I think it's I think it's probably running back by committee, as it's always been with Justin Fuente. But how do you see things shaking out there? Well, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Coleman Fox because it's almost become a meme at this point. But I'm definitely in the camp that thinks, man, I just wish he'd get a couple more carries. You know, it's just interesting how efficient he is running the football whenever he gets in there. And it doesn't seem to matter who the opponent is. He just always manages to to kind of pick his spots and find find ways to be productive. Uh, and to his degree, Deshaun McLeese was like that as well. And it culminated in the bowl game. I believe he ran for 124 yards in the, the Camping World Bowl and uh, really showed flashes of what he can do despite not being a very good guy. Uh, he manages to make plays and sneaky uh, strong runner, actually. So I think if you can find one guy and it looks like McLeese to really step up. And maybe Jalen Holston, who showed flashes, could can be more of a power back because he's a bigger kid. Um, and then you just hope to find another guy here or there. Uh, I think you know what you've got in Stephen Peoples. Not a flashy guy, but an efficient runner. And then, uh, yeah, you know, Coleman Fox, just there's, there's some tantalizing talent there. And you, you wonder if they'll maybe try it a little more in, uh, in a game situation, maybe not at the end of the game in the fourth quarter when you're mopping things up. 
so on on the other side um you know the real question marks come at least in my opinion with this team on defense now um you lose adonis alexander uh to essentially poor academics he leaves goes in the nfl supplemental draft to the redskins uh you lose mook reynolds because you know he's he's got issues with uh selling drugs and he's you know obviously was arrested uh last month and that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back he's had some issues there was suspended for the spring uh you know the Hokies have to replace a lot and that's not to mention the fact they lose from eight Edmonds at linebacker Andrew Matua Puaka you got Terrell Edmonds who's gone Brandon Faison's gone in the secondary obviously Greg Stroman a lot of guys they need to replace but the strength on this defense is going to be up front um I'm personally concerned about the depth on the defensive line, but I think the defensive line is clearly the strength of this unit. Um, but there are a lot of young guys who I think could make an impact as well. Yeah, you said a depth, I think, is the concern really across the board, but um, certainly along the defensive line, which I agree is definitely the strength here. Uh, you know, you look at Trevon Hill and Ricky Walker, Vinny Mahota, the, there's some real talent along that line. But after that, you get into the young guys again. And um, a lot of talent. It's just a matter of are they ready for significant snaps uh, in crunch time against Florida State, for example. That's a whole other ball game compared to. I mean, some of these guys haven't even really seen game time reps in, in actual games. So, uh, building that depth is is going to be critical. I think looking at the defense as a whole is so so much talent that I think it's going to be probably pretty good come November. But in September, it could be a little bit of rough sledding. And it's hard to say where that'll come. You know, you're looking at relying on some real freshmen, DJ Crosson and Jermaine Waller at defensive back. Um, Dax Hollifield is going to be uh, relied upon heavily at linebacker. And, uh, you know, there, there are a number of other names where you see and you just say, my goodness, this is not a very old team. Justin, and actually sticking with that theme, I want to go back to the offense real quick. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the big pieces of last year's team, I mean, there's going to be a lot of hubbub made about replacing pieces on defense, but you can make an argument that maybe the single biggest piece of all is having to replace Cam Phillips at wide receiver. Um, he was very clearly the go-to guy for Josh Jackson in that offense last year, and uh, a major part of it even amongst some, some other really talented guys the year before that in Justin Fuente's offense. So – what I mean, Virginia Tech now having to replace Cam Phillips. What is the uh, what, what's the plan there? Are there one or two primary options? Is it going to be just a wait and see who shows up? Uh, who's going to be the downfield receiving threat for the Hokies' offense this fall? You know, I think it's a common theme with Justin Fuente that every job is very much open for competition, and that's not revolutionary by any means, but he really does seem to stand by it. And partly, it's just he's still figuring out this roster. Um, this is still part of kind of retooling it to fit his eye and what he wants to accomplish. Uh, you know, when it comes to receiver, I do think it's kind of throw the ball out there and, and see who, who wants it most. I do think Damon Hazleton will, will get a lot of run. Uh, but, you know, some of the guys from last year, Sean Savoy showed flashes. Eric Kuma showed flashes. Can you find a little bit more consistency with that group? Can a young guy like Phil Patterson uh, stay healthy and finally show what he can do a little bit out there? He's got great speed and he's got some size. I think he might be a name to watch. So, you know, we talked about running back by committee. I think it will be very much uh, receiving by committee too. And I wouldn't be surprised if a whole lot of guys touch the football, especially early in the season, to figure things out. 
until somebody steps up and kind of takes hold of that job and says, I'm the guy you look for when you need five yards or whatever it might be. So sticking with the theme of new, so the, the entire podcast here with the Hokies, it's, it's, you know, the overarching theme is youth. Uh, so we've been asking this of everybody, Justin, who we've had on so far. It's a new name to know on offense and a new name to know on defense. Um, starting with the offense, I'll give a new name to know. We talked about him at length. Um, and I think we're only going to talk about him, you know, really more as the season goes on. And that's Phil Patterson. And, you know, Phil Patterson is a guy who's coming to his sophomore year. Um, he's dealt with injuries. He's shown flashes and potential to be on the field. A lot of guys are going to talk about Damon Hazleton. I think that's, you know, rightfully so. Um, but I think the one receiver who I think can make a real difference on this roster this year is Phil Patterson. And he was highly he was highly thought of coming out of college. He was a big time recruit when uh, Tech was pursuing him, and they were able to get him on board. And they were really excited about the potential that he posted until he got hurt and he was battling injuries. But when he got in the game last year, even if it wasn't you know snaps and big spots, he seemed like he was able to produce when he was healthy. He's my guy. Um, who do you think is the one new name to watch on offense that? should have Hokies fans excited and, and really people who are just viewing the Hokies through the lens of just being a fan of the ACC. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I, I definitely agree with you. I think Phil Patterson, Damon Hazleton are, are the main guys to watch. Um, I'll try and think on my feet here and get creative. Uh, you know, one guy that maybe won't play on offense, but he could, and is very much a wild card X factor kind of player uh, is Cole Beck. Who's a true freshman out of Blacksburg high school. Um, he's got speed to burn. He's a track star. He, uh, got a scholarship offer kind of late in the process from the Hokies, but they ended up, you know, that was his choice. And it makes a lot of sense. He's listed as a running back, might return some kicks. Uh, but you know, I could see him being utilized in some interesting ways on offense. If he can catch the football consistently. Uh, and like I said, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for playing time from pretty much anyone at any position. So if you show a, a, an affinity and ability, you know, I think they're going to find a way to get, get guys out there. Justin, there, there will be no shortage of them. I, I would have to imagine, but who is the biggest name that we don't know right now, or haven't heard a ton about on the Hokies defense that we will know all about by the end of the season, among all the new guys that will be seeing a lot of playing time this fall. Yeah, I think you're right. There's going to be quite a few, but uh, I think the big name is Dax Hollifield. Uh, like I said, a linebacker who's going to have to step in and and be a playmaker right away. You know, just his measurables jump off the page at you. Uh, coming in at 6'1", 243 pounds is kind of amazing for a kid that young. But the thing that really gets me is hearing Bud Foster really heap praise upon him. I, I, doesn't happen that frequently for a young guy, uh, but obviously, you know, likes his veteran guys. Uh, he was always very complimentary of Andrew Matupuaka, but to hear him maybe not rave, but come very close uh, to talking about a freshman who trips up there every week during the summer, trying to learn, trying to figure out the, uh, the schemes and everything. Uh, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing that, that jumps out at you a little bit. And uh, I think bodes well for the long term. You can name literally anybody at linebacker, in my opinion, Justin. Um, Dylan Rivers is another guy who I'm interested to watch. But the one yep. guy who I think is quite a wild card in this whole thing, 
um, that we heard about a lot last spring before he got hurt is Caleb Farley. And Caleb Farley is apparently going to play cornerback now. Um, he obviously showed a lot of flashes last spring, um, both in the practices and in the spring game, uh, making catches at wide receiver all over the field. He was working both with the offense and defense throughout camp. Uh, he tears his ACL. Obviously, red shirts last year doesn't get on the field. Um, but then this year, he's all of a sudden back to playing cornerback. How long does that last? Do we see him suit up at receiver? He's obviously a phenomenal athlete, and Bud Foster has already talked about the work that he's put in to get back and how excited they are um, to have him on the defensive side of the ball, at least initially. He's another guy I'm really interested in watching this fall and seeing how he progresses. Even if he's not a first-string corner, if he gets in the game and maybe a nickel package or they rotate a corner, which Keck does frequently, um, I'm really interested to see how he plays as well. Yeah, and I think he could factor in as... I think we're going to see a lot of different personnel groupings, in particular in the defensive backfield, uh, until they find a group that kind of meshes together the way that they want. Um, you know, there are some veterans, I guess we'll call them, Devon Diablo, uh, who got hurt but showed a lot of promise before that, is is back. And Reggie Floyd, who is the leading returning tackler for the team, comes back. And, you know, he's going to really be asked to do a lot. But I think you'll see... Some of the guys we mentioned earlier, DJ Cross and Jermaine Waller, and and maybe a guy like Caleb Farley, who there's been a bit of a tug of war between the two uh, coordinators who wants, you know, all that speed and all that potential. Um, I think he's needed uh, at the defensive back slot right now, if for nothing other than depth. Uh, but it will be interesting to see if he, he manages to find some playing time and carve out a role for himself. Justin, knowing what Bud Foster has traditionally been able to do with his defense at Virginia Tech, but also considering all the limitations, again, with all the experience to replace, you know, basically the entire entire secondary, more or less the entire two deep in the secondary being replaced. Um, ultimately, what is your expectation for Bud Foster's defense this fall? Well, I'll circle back to something I said earlier. I, I think that this unit has a lot of potential uh, and that by the end of the season, if you know, they stay healthy, that they could be a really good group. Uh, I think it'll be a good group regardless, but I don't know that it's going to maybe measure up to what people think of as a Virginia Tech defense just because of all the question marks. You know, it's it's not going to be last year's defense, which was pretty, pretty great. Um, this will be a, a year of growth that will probably fully manifest itself in 2019 or 2020. But uh, I also think that by the end of the year, you're going to start to see a more fully formed defensive unit. You're going to see some of these true freshmen not look like freshmen anymore. Um, so, you know, I don't think that they'll be able to carry the unit, the whole team, but uh, they're going to be a good defense and they're not going to be easy. Uh, but if you're going to get them, I, I, again, I think September is the time to, to really pounce. Joey, I want to add one, one thing to that real quick. I think we might see some parallels. I, I don't know if you know, ultimately, you know, how the two defenses will measure up with one another. But we saw this in the 2015-16 campaign for Virginia Tech, where guys like Mook Reynolds, Matua Puaka, Terrell Edmonds, um, uh, you know, Greg Stroman, Brandon Faison, they were all still young. Um, and, you know, the Hokies had a very young defense that year. Of course, they struggled throughout the year mightily because Michael Brewer got hurt in the opener against Ohio State. But they struggled on defense as well as offense. Um, and that was a unit that got a lot better as the season went on and you saw the potential. 
I don't know how it'll stack up ultimately at the end of the year because I know the Hokies are returning so much on the defensive line. Um, so, but the parallels can be drawn in the secondary where they're going to be a ton of new faces. Fair enough. I, so I guess before we move on, I'll say something to the effect of I'm not super bullish on Virginia Tech this year. Um, again, with what they have coming back on defense, it's the thing is that like a Bud Foster defense is only ever going to be so bad. I mean, in a rebuilding bad year, you're probably talking about a top 30, top 40 defense, which if that's rebuilding, you take that every time. Um, I think Georgia Tech's best defense under Ted Roof was like mid 60s or something like that. So if, if Bud ever wants to go to the city, just let me know and I'll, I'll hook him up with, uh, with some people. But the, so the, but the thing is that with the defense kind of slides back a little bit and has to uh, fix some things and get, get, get its life back in order, you know, the, the offense has to be there to, to pick up for it. And that's what I'm not totally sold on they'll be able to do or they'll be ready to do. Um, they had some problems offensively last year, and so that's where I, I really struggle with this Virginia Tech team. And I, I'm, I'm very much in, a, you know, prove it to me kind of mode. Um, with that being said, I do want to look at the schedule here and there's a really rough opener on the road. Uh, I believe it's Labor Day night at Florida State in Tallahassee. Uh, that team is going to be fired up. You know, new era. Willie Taggart's got them motivated. Uh, a lot of talent on that team. They're getting DeAndre Francois back. I, in theory, he'll be the starter, even though he's not favored in Vegas, which is a thing we're going to talk about at some point. But <laughs> move on. you got three easier games, William & Mary, East Carolina, Old Dominion. I think that you're looking at being three and one, in my opinion, um, you know, going into the very end of September and into October. Is that a reasonable expectation for that first three? I mean, do you, let's put it this way. What are the chances that Virginia Tech beats Florida State in Tallahassee? I don't really know. Um, I don't know that there's just a lot of question marks about both of those teams and programs for me. Uh, I agree with your general assessment of Virginia tech in that I'm not overly bullish. Um, I think that there's a very slim margin of error for this team. And I think that they could, you know, pull it together a lot sooner than people would think. And, and maybe, uh, maybe sneak a couple of wins that they shouldn't, this would be the main one. And, you know, Mike and I have kind of talked about it a little bit. I, I, I don't really know what to make of Willie Taggart because it's such a small sample size. Uh, I think he has breathed some life into the program. Um, but I don't know. That game in particular to me, I, I just, I don't know. <laughs> there's there's a lot of question marks. But I think three and one for that opening stretch would be a, a pretty fair assumption. Although I think uh, at Old Dominion is just a weird game to me. Uh, I think ODU will probably be improved and I wouldn't be surprised if if the Hokies kind of messed around for a little bit before they figured that one out. That's just got that vibe to me. I think any time, any time, I think any time you're going to play a game like on the road at old dominion, you know, <laughs> old dominion is one of those schools that usually, you know, maybe not now, now that they're, you know, an FPS school, but back in the day, you know, five to 10 years ago when they weren't an FPS school, that's one of those teams that you would pay to come play you. And now all of a sudden you're going there to play a road game in September. It's very weird. It strikes me as weird. Um, it's a game that we've seen the Hokies struggle with in the past, like a strange road game that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense in non-conference schedule. Old Dominion will be improved. I think they'll be pretty good um, in comparison to last year. Um, you know, the Hokies obviously were able to cruise past them last season in Blacksburg. 
it's a matter of will they be able to do the same thing on the road. Obviously, the Hokies will be much more talented, but that is going to be a weird game. Back to the original question, chances that they beat Florida State. I'm firmly in the camp of I don't know either. Um, I think it's tough to win in Tallahassee. I think it's tougher to win on in a night game in the opener when you're firing up a new era. With that being said, like Florida State, I don't know what I don't know what they are. Um, obviously, last year they were a top five team, at least at the outset of the year, and then things didn't work out when Francois got hurt and Jimbo Fisher had one foot out the door. Um, I think they have the talent to beat the Hokies by probably a couple of touchdowns. Do I think they do it in the opener? I, I don't. Um, I, I think that I think ultimately they will beat Virginia Tech in the opener. Um, but I think it'll be a closer game than a lot of people are giving the Hokies maybe credit for just because of all the question marks that they have on defense. But um, that's such a weird game. There's so many unknowns with both teams. And we're, we're just going to have to see really just how it plays out. Mike, we've been talking about labeling these games as surefire wins, surefire losses, and toss-ups. And I think to call it a surefire loss is probably giving Florida State too much credit at this point. You're right, that they have a lot of questions as well. And so, it, at the very least, I think we can agree that it's it's going to be a challenge. You know, first game of the road, first game of the year on the road, you know, a hyped-up, talented team, all that. But, I mean, you're right that until the, the opening whistle, it's like we can say all this stuff that we want, but we kind of have no idea what's going to happen when they actually kick the game off. So we'll call that a toss-up. If we want to go back to surefire wins, I think William & Mary, East Carolina at Old Dominion, and then the only other surefire win on the schedule, and I'm going to say this and people might get nervous, but is home against Virginia. <laughs> um, basically, I'm going to consider that a surefire win until it's not for Virginia Tech. How about that? <laughs> It's been a surefire win for almost 5,000 days. <laughs> so it'll be 5,000 tomorrow, I believe. So, it does, does feel like a safe bet. Yeah. Okay, so let's call it 4-0. Uh, surefire losses. I'm looking at the schedule, and I, I'm seeing a lot more toss-ups than surefire losses. Um, like, one of the toughest games of the year is going to be against Miami, but they get that game at home and in the second to last week of the year. Um, they get Boston College, Georgia Tech, both at home. The, I think if I'm going to call one game on the schedule a surefire loss, it's probably home against Notre Dame, October 6th. Um, it is it is at home, but, uh, you know, I guess I just have kind of high expectations for the Irish this year. And so it, that still seems like kind of earlier in the season. I mean, it would be a great opportunity for uh, Bud Foster's defense to really make a statement. But I think if you're talking about a surefire loss on this schedule, that's probably the closest that you're going to get. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I think Notre Dame is the one that I, I latch on to, and I, I would slide it in the same column as, as probably a loss. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Obviously, the first time Notre Dame's ever visited Blacksburg, um, I would wager it'll be a night game. Uh, and it could be uh, very attractive to TV if the Hokies can beat Duke the previous week, which I also don't think is, I think that would go in our toss up category because uh, it's on the road and Duke can be very challenging. I think they'll be improved next year. So it, it comes at an interesting spot in the schedule too, between road games against Duke and North Carolina. I think that's just a tough stretch uh, for the Hokies. My only surefire loss um, is also Notre Dame. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, obviously Florida State's a toss-up for me just because I don't think we know enough about both teams. Joey, I think your comment that you just made about 
you know, calling it a surefire loss would be giving Florida State too much credit. I couldn't have said that any better. Um, I think <laughs> that's a hundred, a hundred percent accurate. Um, look, Notre Dame facing Notre Dame in October, and, and Notre Dame's got a brutal schedule this year. And going to Blacksburg is is one of the tougher games on their schedule. Um, if the Hokies play well in the early part of their schedule. Um, regardless, that's going to be a, a raucous atmosphere, which makes it, it, it's just very, it's difficult to win in Blacksburg. It's just, you can, you can have a really good team and the team can come in and beat tech, but just the, the atmosphere itself gives the Hokies a chance. Um, but that's the one surefire loss, I think on the schedule, I'm not going to put the Georgia tech. I, I think Georgia tech's going to be very good this year. I wouldn't put the Georgia tech game in that category because it's a Thursday night in Blacksburg, even though Georgia tech's got Justin Fuente figured out, um, Georgia Tech hasn't won on a Thursday in Blacksburg in a really long time. Um, so I wouldn't classify that as a surefire loss. I, you know, the Miami game, it's late in the year. Uh, Miami's got a tough stretch. They play Georgia Tech the week before they play the Hokies. Um, you know, that's not going to be an easy stretch for them. So, and Miami's got BC also um, a couple weeks before that. So they, they got on a Friday, nonetheless. So, um, I can't even classify that as a surefire loss, even though I think the world of Miami, I think they're far and away the best team in the coastal division. So I'm just going to sit squarely in the camp of Notre Dame really being the only surefire loss. And I think that tech can make that game competitive if they play it the right way, but I have high expectations for Notre Dame as well. So we'll have to see. You know, I just want to jump in real quick and, and mention that you said Miami is the, the most talented team in, in the coastal. And I think that is very true. But that means that nothing matters. Like the the coastal just won't work out that way. If that's the case, it always <laughs> seems to be the way it works. Something strange will happen, and who knows? Virginia will win. Like it's just that bizarre of a. Of whoa, a whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> Let's not go that far. Well, you know, it's 2018. Weird stuff happens every day, and I just assume <laughs> it's going to progress. <laughs> Where Bronco and all is AP Coach of the Year. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, yeah, it does feel like we're living in bizarro world some days. So, who's to say? Um, no, but you are right that like if everything goes chalk, that's not the ACC that we all know and love. Like, there's going to be something weird that's going to happen, and you know, somebody's going to end up doing a lot better than we expect, and someone's going to get hurt, and then next thing you know, everything is all on its head. So, uh, you, you are correct to uh, not make any assumptions just yet. Um, it feels like a lot of times when the media picks a certain team to win a division around here, it doesn't usually go that way. It has maybe the last couple of years and they've picked Clemson, but um, yeah, not, not necessarily a, a, a final thing by any stretch. So what we're saying is first week at Florida state and then at Duke at North Carolina, Georgia tech, Boston college at Pittsburgh and home against Miami. Those are all toss up games for the Hokies this year that realistically could be won by their team. Is that is that what I'm hearing? I think I agree with it if it is. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, it, it is for me. I think every game's a toss-up until proven otherwise. I don't think we know enough about the, about really anything that's going to be happening with Virginia Tech this fall. Like I don't until we get more camp practices under our belt and this is, you know, we're recording this Sunday, August 5th and you know Tech finished up their their first couple practices of the year this weekend. I mean, until we hear more coming out of camp and have an idea of even who's going, you know, for starters, who's going to be on the field, um, it's really hard to make any sort of predictions other than, oh, well, Tech could be pretty good. Oh, Duke, Georgia Tech, um, 
North Carolina maybe could be improved. Like, I, I think we're firmly in that category until further notice. Very good. Record prediction here. Um, Justin, do you want to start us off with a record prediction for your Hokies this fall? You know, just doing a quick run through of the schedule and not really picking specific losses as we just did. Uh, that was kind of how I approached it. I, I looked at groups of games and figured splits here and there. Um, kind of a bullish look maybe, but I could see eight wins in theory from this crew, but I could also see anywhere from like seven to maybe nine um, because of these question marks that, that we've alluded to about not only the Hokies, but also some of these other programs. I think um, th there's just a lot to know. And especially later in the year, I, I'm not really sure what Pittsburgh will be come November, but that looks on paper to me like a tricky game. So between them and say, you know, Miami, I would say one of those is a loss. That kind of thinking was what I, I arrived at at maybe an eight and four season. Um, again, maybe feeling bullish, but also seems kind of realistic to me. I guess I'm next, Joey, huh? Yeah, Mike, what's your <laughs> thought here? <laughs> I'll let, the, I'll let the, uh, the actual Hokies go first here. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm. I don't want to pick specific games because I've I've been burned on this in the past. Like literally every like literally every week we do this podcast, Joey. I'm burned on on picking games. Um, I'm particularly burned with Virginia Tech because they lose games that, you know, not even God expects them to lose. Um, <laughs> so let's start with this. I I think they lose the opener to Florida State. I think they lose at home to Notre Dame, and I think they lose at home to Miami. Um, let's start with those three. Then there are three pretty tough games um, that could swing this season one way or another. Um, Georgia Tech at home October 25th, Boston College at home on November 3rd, and then at Pitt, like Justin just said. Um, the Hokies have a hard time winning at Pitt, save for two years ago uh, when they blew Pat Narduzzi and the Panthers out of the stadium at Heinz Field, and Pat Narduzzi is still screaming at the officials. Um, <laughs> I think they also... I'm. It might be bullish. I'm going to also say eight and four. Um, I think they lose Florida State. I think they lose to Notre Dame. I think they lose to Miami. Then I think they lose one of the three games um, with Georgia Tech, Boston College, and at Pitt. Um, I don't know what Pitt's going to be, and that's the biggest thing. I, I think Boston College, Georgia Tech's going to be pretty good. But the fact that you get two of those games in Blacksburg, I think, helps. Um, I think, at the very least, it's safe to assume that the Hokies will split there. And then as long as they beat Pittsburgh, they should get to eight. Um, at Duke's a little tricky. At Old Dominion could be a little bit tricky. Um, the Hokies have owned East Carolina since Ruffin McNeil left. I'm not worried about William & Mary. So, I don't know. The only other game you look at is at UNC. Um, and, once again, don't know what UNC is going to be. I'm a little bit bullish as well. I think the the losses on defense uh, will manifest themselves early, but I think the fact that the Hokies have three winnable non-conference games in September, I think will help get the defense some confidence, even if it is against some lesser opponents, um, and hopefully give them some momentum into October when the schedule gets markedly tougher. Um, I'm going to go with eight and four, uh, and we'll just leave it there, and we'll see what happens. I don't know. Hmm. I think I'm going to go seven and five here. Again, I'm not getting the warm fuzzies. If I if I had to pick specific games to lose, I think I'm looking 
at Florida State, home against Notre Dame, home against Boston College, at Pittsburgh, home against Miami. Um, there was definitely some sort of weeknight voodoo on Georgia Tech against Virginia Tech. Um, but getting that game at home on a Thursday night, I think, is going to make a pretty big difference. I think the Hokies will get that one done. I don't, I don't know how I feel about – well, they, they do get Boston College at home, which is a good thing. Um, whether or not that matchup ends up working out, I, I'm, I want to reevaluate that here in a little bit. That might be the swing game for me between 7-5 and five and 8-4 and four is – Really, I think I'm, I'm planning on, let's put it this way, one and two between Georgia Tech, Boston College, at Pittsburgh. I think if you turn that into two and one, I think it's an eight and four season. But uh, I, I think overall, that's seven and five is what I'm looking at. Again, I'm, I am skeptical, as I stated before, and, and we'll just have to see what shakes out here. I understood for me. I, <laughs> I, I, I hate, I hate picking, I hate doing record predictions for Virginia Tech because I just have no idea how anything's going to stack up ever. Justin can speak to it even better than I can. Um, I've tried to do this exercise. Justin and I have tried to do this exercise together multiple times, trying to figure things out. Um, there's always a game that you're not expecting, um, more so in the Beamer era than this one. Um, you know, we saw Fuente lose to Syracuse in his first year, and that was kind of a surprise. But, uh, you know, in reality, there, there are not many games that Justin Fuente – at least in this era with the Hokies, you know, where they've been in a spot where there's a game they absolutely should win and they've lost. It really hasn't happened too often, but it's the history of the program. And that's what always seems to happen. There's one that kind of sneaks up on you. So I would not be surprised to see that yet again this year. Yeah, I, I agree a lot with that, Mike. And, you know, I, I, I think that three game stretch you highlighted uh, as Georgia Tech, Boston College and Pittsburgh is absolutely the stretch. And again, going with my coastal chaos theory, I would put the the loss on whichever game makes the least amount of sense at the time. Um, <laughs> who, whoever it might be. I, I agree. I think team. Um, so it's I get North Carolina is another one that you mentioned earlier that they almost have to be better by default because they'll be healthy. Um, so th there are a lot of a lot of games that you could see, uh, like Joey said, swinging the game, swinging things more towards maybe a, a kind of a clunky seven win season versus maybe a really optimistic eight or nine win season, which would be kind of coach of the year in the ACC material. Like not that anyone's going to win over over probably Dabo, but boy, that would that would get a lot of attention from a lot of folks if if the Hokies pulled that together. Uh, just who knows at this point? I mean, it is August, but also there's just a lot. A lot of questions and a lot of roster moves, which will probably shake out here in the next couple of weeks. Well, there you have it. We're somewhere in that seven and five, eight and four range for Virginia Tech. And frankly, if that's if that's a rebuilding year in Blacksburg, that's that's okay. You know, you, I think you take that if that's fair. But uh, Justin, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell the folks where they can go find you, uh, either on the social medias or go find your work on the uh, general internet. Well, thanks, guys, for having me, as always. I, I always enjoy talking stuff with you. Um, I'm at in, uh, InsideTheACC.com, and you can find us on, on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, and then you can find me on Facebook, or on Twitter, rather. You can find me on Facebook, but I'm probably not going to friend you. Um, you can <laughs> find me on Twitter, at BestKates, and uh, we'll be out there doing stuff on the Internet. Justin, you're the man. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, we'd love to have you back on again soon, so don't, don't be a stranger. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Looking forward to it. 
All right, Mike, we got to get out of here. We got to preview some more teams, but in the meantime, they can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB. And together we're at BC Podcast ACC. And you can go find, again, Justin Cates at Best Cates, uh, C A T E S, on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. Uh, Mike, where can they find us on the social medias? Facebook. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. Rate us on iTunes. I tweet out a link. So check that out. Um, by the time you guys hear this podcast, I'll probably have to re-promote said link. But make sure you give us a rate and a review on iTunes. It would really help us out. Yes, please, please do that. Uh, Y'all can also find us on YouTube if you so choose. You can come uh, check us out and see how, how we all look in these uh, these videos, whether, you know, if, if you want to. I don't know why you would, but you can. Uh, Mike, anything else before we get out of here? I think we're good. We got more previews, Joey. Yes, we do. We will be back soon with some more previews. Uh, but until next time, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, for Mr. Justin Cates, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until then... Go ACC.